Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God and make him known. This is our commission. This is our command. This is our calling. This is our privilege. This is discipleship. Well, good morning, Mosaic. How you doing, church family? Good? All right. We are jumping into a new series today. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to dive in to discipleship and what that looks like around here, and then how you guys can jump in on that and see what the next step is for you. So it's going to be an exciting journey and uh, one that we are definitely looking forward to as we jump in. But uh, as we go today, how about this one? Anybody in here grow up watching Popeye? Yeah? Yeah, okay. So Popeye, uh, interesting. It's kind of the same thing all the time. It's very simple cartoon, right? You've got Popeye's the good guy, Bluto's the bad guy, olive oil is the one they're trying to win over. And, and so typically what happens in the Popeye cartoon, you got Popeye over here kind of being a good guy, minding his own business. Bluto's over here kind of, you know, harassing olive oil. And then Popeye gets to the point where he just is like, all right, that's it. And he has the saying, that's all I can stands. I can't stands no more, right? That's it. Like, that's all I can stands. I can't stands no more. He, he, and then what he does is he crushes the can of spinach, and then it makes his forearms, you know, ripped, and then he, you know, sends Pluto, uh, Pluto to the moon, and then uh, all is right with the world until the next cartoon, uh, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, right? So that's kind of how the cartoon goes. Now, interestingly enough, that cartoon actually has a lot to say about our spiritual lives. I know you're like, no, I don't know. Hang with me here. All right, so this really does have a lot to say about it because my, my guess is there has been at some point in your spiritual journey that you have uh, listened to a message you have spent time reading the Bible, come across some stuff that was challenging to you. Maybe you've seen somebody lay it all on the line for the sake of the gospel, and you're like, all right, man, they're in a different space than me, or there are, there are things that need to change in me because you've recognized that your life is over here. You, you've been doing life here, and, and you see that God is inviting you over here. And he's got much more for you over here. So where you are and where he is working are two different spaces. And then you get to this point that's just like Popeye, where you're down over here and, and you're just doing everything the same old, same old. And you get to this point where you've heard enough, you've seen enough, you've experienced enough, where you're saying, all right, if I stay here, this is all I can stand. I, I just can't stand it anymore. I got to go this way. 
I got to move in this direction. I got to, I've got to join God where he is moving, where he is inviting me to. And, and, and you push past that space where it, it, it's like you get into a space where maybe it's what you've heard, experienced, or, or read, where you push past conviction because it's easy to stay there, isn't it? It's easy to have this religious moment where you feel convicted and, and you may have a little bit of movement, but, but God's not just interested in us coming to an environment like this, interacting with the Bible, engaging in something we've heard, you know, uh, interfacing with Him and what He reveals, and just leaving us at convicted spaces. He wants us to move from conviction to transformation. Conviction is the start of it. And transformation is what he is leading us in. And, and that right there is it's the heart of this series. That as we look at some things in regards to discipleship, that we drive right into the heart of what God has for us as we seek to follow him and then obey what he has called us to do. And in order for that to happen, we have to get our arms around what Jesus revealed to us in Matthew chapter 28 that we just saw on the video here. In Matthew chapter 28, it's called the Great Commission. And starting out in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so by saying that, basically he's saying, guys, I've got the keys to the kingdom. I get to unlock whatever I want, open up whatever door I want, do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. This is my prerogative. He's saying, this, I've, I've got the, the, the choice here. And then he unloads in the next verse. He says, all right, I want this to happen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So, you know, tell them about who I am, what I have done. Go and make disciples. Go do that. Of, of all nations. He sends us off into that space. And so all of these spaces right there, when it comes to Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go and do this. We want to willingly submit to that. That's what leadership wants to lead all of us into the space where that would happen. Anybody okay with that? Like, is that what you want? Wow. Uh, sounds great. Let's do the great. Is, wouldn't that be great to actually engage in the Great Commission to willingly bend in the direction that he says to bend? Yes. Thank you. All right. I just checking to see the 902 crushed it. You guys are going to have to come on, pick it up. All right. So this, this is our opportunity. This is our invitation. This is, this, is the, this is what God is up to. And he's calling us into a space from where we are to where he is working, that transformative space. And so we, we get to bend our lives around that. And so he tells us, if I've got, this is the authority I've got, and I'm putting that to work by telling us to go. In other words, move from that space to where it's at to go and do what? To make disciples, because discipleship is right at the heart of all that he has been, all that he has been doing, all that he is doing, and all that he will do. He's essentially giving us these great uh, opportunities to step into a journey with him. And, and he's not making this hard to understand. Because with whatever years we've been given, we have the opportunity to go on a lifelong journey of knowing God and then making him known. That's what we get to do. A lifelong journey 
of knowing God and making Him known, because that's what a disciple does. Because a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student of the ways of Jesus. And so a discipleship is simply putting those things into practice. It's, it's the opportunity that we have to understand him more, to move from where we're at to where he's going, to where he wants us to go. So in that knowing, then we have the opportunity to make him known so that what we have just experienced, that we can invite others in on that journey to experience God the same way we have experienced him because he's constantly moving, constantly inviting us in. And it's not about a list of do's and don'ts and religious activities or filling our heads with a bunch of biblical knowledge. No, it's about an identity being developed in us, taking us uh, on this journey to keep in step with the Spirit of God. And so what we're going to do in this brief series over the next few weeks is just kind of walk us through, as a church, what we are stepping into as we go towards being a learner, a student, what discipleship will look, about, look like here. And essentially what we'll do here is these three weeks, we're going to unpack three things that are markers in our journey that will help us in this discipleship process. Three things that we will embrace that will help us on this journey. Journey, all right, so this lifelong journey of, of, of knowing God and making Him known, and we embrace three things we embrace biblical story, Christian belief, and Christian practice. Okay, so those are the three areas that we are going to step into these next three weeks biblical story. Christian belief, and Christian practice, and, and how all of that takes place in the, the, con, the confines of community. It's not us just kind of going off on our own, but it's about doing this in community where there's accountability and spurring each other on. And it's our sincere hope that at the end of all of this, that you will see where you are. That you will see that you are here and you will begin to see what the next step looks like for you because we're all on different, uh, we're all on different journeys here. But there's all, uh, we're all experiencing the same invitation to move from where we currently are and to go deeper in with God where, where he has made himself known and he invites us to know him in a deeper, more intimate way and, and to step into this journey of transformation. And so today we're going to start by embracing the, the biblical. Uh, biblical story. What does that mean? You know, like, what is that about? Why is that necessary? That's a great place to start, right? Why would we start with biblical story? What does that have to say about uh, what it looks like to take the next step in our journey, where we are, where God's inviting us to, right? How, how does that speak into this? And so uh, we're going to step into that and, and understand a little bit clearer uh, how it looks for us to go all in on knowing God and then making him known. And so why biblical story? Why j- jump in there? Well, this is true of every single story who, uh, that has ever happened. Okay, so every single story that we've ever read, every single story that's going on now, every single story that ever will be written, here's what we know about every single story. They all have one thing in common. They all have a main character, right? Every single one has a main character, and it's no different in the Bible. The Bible has one main character, and that main character is God. More specifically, that main character is God as he has revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and return. And, and how he is the main character from the very first word in Genesis till the very last word in Revelation. Right? That is what we need to grab hold of. And, and it's all about Jesus. And the more time that we spend right here in this book, the clearer that reality becomes. Okay? The clearer that reality becomes. And, and that's essential for us to understand because essentially what can happen is you and I can settle into this kind of, of life, this kind of thinking. We can, we can ever so subtly go to the Bible and we can hit the highlights, the famous stories, the, the common stories that come up from time to time. And we're like, yeah, know that one. Yep, I know that one. Heard that one. And so we can take the more famous stories and, and we can kind of highlight those. And what happens is uh, we, we forget that the main storyline is about Jesus. And it becomes uh, these highlighted stories that we kind of pick and choose some truths out of that, take some scriptural principles, and then we, we begin to use them to create a better version of ourself. And we think, oh, well, this is about me. This is here to help me. This is here to, to, to make my life a, a little bit easier. We become the central figure ever so subtly. And what happens, and it's a dangerous thing to have this happen, is we come across these popular stories and we extract a little bit of truth there and then thinking it's going to make us a better version of ourselves and then ever so subtly what we do is we, we kind of suit up, kind of get the eye of the tiger and we think, all right, I'm going to be an overcomer here, right? Like this is all about, you know, me taking this and then, you know, punching sin in the throat or, or, or this is going to bring encouragement to me today or, hey, if I take this verse and I slap it on a, a coffee mug or a t-shirt, it'll make a great present. You know, like, we, we, it's easy to do that. But let me, let me bring us back to reality. Can I do that for just a second here? We, you and me, us, we are the ones who needed to be rescued. Amen? All right? We, no one in here, no one who has ever sat in here, no one outside of the walls of this church, no one on this planet has ever existed except for Jesus that had enough in the spiritual tank to get out of the mess that we're in. None of us. None of us. So we all, all needed a Savior. We all needed Christ to come and conquer Satan, sin, death, hell, and fully absorb the wrath of God. That, all, that we all needed that. We are the ones who needed to be rescued. We are not the big story of the Bible. We are not. We are not at the center of it all. Keeping that front and center, understanding that helps us to see that the biblical story has been, is, and always will be centered on Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay, that he is the center of all of history, that every award goes to Jesus, all the accolades go to Jesus, all of the focus, every spotlight on him every day, all the time, never failing. That is the biblical story, and we got to get that. And the only way that that is going to take root in your life, in my life, in our life, is that you and I would become a student a learner of the ways of Jesus by, by studying and absorbing and practicing the Word, the Scriptures, the Bible. 
becoming so familiar with that book and learning what Jesus reveals to us because it's in the Bible where disciples are birthed. It's in the Bible where followers are sustained. And it's in the Bible where our faith is preserved. It's all right in the book. And what's so scary, whatever so subtly happens is in our world, and, and I hear this from, from pastors as I've been you know, walking with different pastors, and I, and I see it going on around the world, where there are way too few followers of Jesus who have a firm handle on the biblical story being about Jesus and not us at the center. And, and so as a result, what happens is then people begin to put themselves into place where it's like, oh, well, this is for me. This is about me. This is, and, and, and it becomes overwhelmingly centered on humanity rather than being about Jesus and making him the centerpiece of the conversation. And, and so what happens then is when we think it's about us and not about Jesus, then we fail to take our bucket and drop it down in the deep, deep well that Scripture provides us about the wisdom and the insight and the way that God has revealed Himself all throughout history. He has not made Himself hard to find. He has repeatedly showed us who He is in the Bible. He continues to make that known as we study and learn and engage in the way that He has revealed that to us. And so, if we don't get that, what happens is it's easy to kind of sit on the sidelines and then just kind of watch life just pass us by. And as it passes us by, we, we fail to see that God has reminded us over and over that He is to be known. He invites us to know Him. He is not a far off God. He's not distant. He's not disinterested. But he desires to walk with us in a deep and personal way. He's he's intimately involved in our life and he wants us to walk with him. And not just to know him, but also to be a participant in the story that he is writing. So it's not just about what we can know about him, but then what we do know, then we make that known. And, and that's why one of the things that we're super excited about, if you have a kid that is checked into Mosaic Kids, like, so this isn't just for the adults, right? This isn't just for those of us who uh, have been on this planet for a whole long time, right? So we're talking about across the hall there, if you put your kid in there, do you know what's going on there this school year? This whole year, they are talking through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they're exploring the overarching story of the Bible and how it always points to Jesus. So that's what's going on right across the hall. So here's the cool thing about that. When you then go pick up your child, then you get to continue that conversation. You get to continue the discipleship process. You get to continue to have the, uh, the story continually made, made known that it is about Jesus. And so we're just starting the conversations for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you know, foster parents. When you pick them up, just keep diving in, keep diving in, keep going deep with them because there's some good stuff to be had there because we're not digging into the Bible so that we can win like a trivial pursuit contest, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to get some facts. So next time I go to that Christian gathering, I can like spit some facts about Jesus. You know, that's not about that either. And, and sometimes what can happen in, in a lot of places, I don't know what your spiritual background is, but we have to be careful with this. A lot of times we think, well, if I do some good stuff, i.e. if I read the Bible, then it's ever so subtly tilts the, the, uh, God's favor my way. 
And that just doesn't happen. He already loves you as much as he ever will. You don't earn any favor from him, but through faith in him and him alone, when you enter into that relationship with him, you are loved right now. He is not in love with a, a future version of you. I love one pastor says that all the time. The future you, is he, he loves you now for who you are. So you don't tilt the, the scale in your favor through reading the Bible or however else you might use the Bible. Like what else does this have to say that it might you know, help me in my, um, in my standing with God? It, it doesn't happen. You see, the, the, the Bible isn't just there to inform us. The Bible is there to transform us. And, and the equation that we have to understand is, oftentimes we settle in this where it's like, I need to take this book and it needs to get in here. And when it gets into your mind and you begin to develop the mind of Christ, then it begins to transform your heart, right? And when your heart is transformed, then your life begins to change and you see behaviors that are different. That's part of the equation. But we don't stay there. Because it's also about making sure your life gets in there. That you understand that God is writing a story. That, that generation after generation after generation has interacted with this book. And the truths of, that are in there. And the revelation that God has made himself known. And now wants us to let others know who he is. Then, then we, when we interact with that truth and engage with that truth. We understand that we are participating in the un folding story of God in our generation. Man, what a privilege. What an, what an awesome opportunity that you and I have been given to make him known. So not only do we move from where we are to where he is inviting us to, but now we get to bring others with us. That is an amazing, an amazing thing. And, and so being a participant in his story is, is, is an awesome privilege. In, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was being confronted by some religious leaders. They had kind of pinned him down and they were like, okay, let's see if we can trick him into something. And, and so they began asking him, hey, what, what's the most important commandment? Because they knew that there was like, there were the things that, that mattered, like the truths that mattered. And so they put a fence around that so you didn't violate that truth. And then there was a fence to protect you from the fence that kept you from that. And then there was like a fence to protect you from the fence and the other fence. That they, like there were all these things going on and they're like, Haha, let's do this. So what's the most important commandment? Thinking we'll trip him up here. Everybody will kind of push away from Jesus after this. Watch this guys. So one guy pops off and he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, didn't weigh, didn't hesitate. He's like, I wrote the book. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Verse 39, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. And they're like, oh, good answer. That'll work. You know, we'll go with that one. How about that one? So here we have that play out right there that, that you see Jesus say, love God, like know him. He has made himself known. We get to walk in relationship to him, a personal God who does not hide out. He has made himself known all throughout scripture. So know God, love him. 
And then love others. In other words, you help them understand what it means to know him. And then that begins to fan out as you serve the world. Love God, love others, serve the world. Plastered all around here. Just a simple approach that we go and as we know him, we make him known and we continue to serve the world by engaging in that over and over and over and over again. Because the biblical story is all about Jesus. Always has been, always will be. And the, the more we make that front and center, the more we get to engage in that lifelong journey of discipleship. And then we see this modeled so well as Jesus begins to show us here in the final chapter of Luke. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 24, final chapter in the book of Luke. And as you're turning there, let me just walk you through what has happened. So we have Jesus. Uh, he, has, he has been falsely accused. He has been uh, tried. He has been crucified. And then he has resurrected. And so now we're catching up with him as he shows up on the road with a couple guys who are on their road, uh, on the way to a town called Emmaus. So Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem, the epicenter where all of the stuff happened. All of the, the trial, all of the false accusations, all of, uh, uh, all of the crucifixion, and then the, the resurrection. So this is all transpired. These guys are walking, talking about it, and then here comes Jesus on the road, right? He, he shows up with the, uh, to them. He, he starts walking alongside them, covers up his name tag that says Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he's kind of walking along. He's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And they're like, what are you, are you like the, a guy who's lived under a rock? Like, are you not aware of all that has transpired in these last few days in Jerusalem? About how there was this guy named Jesus, and we thought he was the one. But then he was accused, and then he was crucified. And then some women that are in our company, they went to the tomb, and, and he wasn't there. And, and so they're, they're saying that he has been resurrected. And then you see Jesus launch this out. In verse 25 of chapter 24, and he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, before I unpack that, let's go just a little bit deeper here. In Romans 10, verse 17, it says this. So faith comes from hearing. So we, it has, there's a declarative part of the, the word of God. Like it comes from hearing the word of God, experiencing, interfacing with the very words that, that God wrote down. Faith comes from hearing, and check this out, and hearing through the word of Christ. The word of Christ, all right? This explains why Jesus marched through the scriptures with these guys. He is like starting with Moses and going through all of the prophets. He, he marches them through. I mean, come on, you have to admit, this would be one of the places, if there was time travel, you could go back and just kind of be a guy walking alongside. Who in here would not want to be a part of that Bible study right there? Jesus, master teacher, the one who wrote it all down, walks them through the Old Testament promises because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. So he walks them through and he's like, hey, there's Genesis, that's me. 
That's me. Oh, Exodus, the, the Passover. Yep, that's me. Isaiah, me, me, me. And then the, 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 the Proverbs, Psalms, all of the prophets, that's me too. He ties it back to himself. And then these guys continue to go on the journey. They keep going on the walk. And then they have this, uh, they keep the conversation going. They're like, hey, would you come with us a little bit more? And then they have dinner. And then he breaks the bread. And then the lights come on for them like, hey, it's him. And then you know what happens? Bam, he disappears. He's gone. And they're like, oh, it was him the whole time. Which explains why when he was unpacking the scripture, everything in them was coming alive. It says that it burned within them. That the truth was just in there. It was just like, oh, there's more. This is so good. And they're like, I got it now. That's what it was. It's all been about Jesus. God has made himself known. We get it now. Now we get to go tell others. And that's exactly what they do. They make it known that he has come. They head back to Jerusalem. And they catch up with the early disciples and the other people who are in the room. And they said, he's back. He's back. He, he walked us through all of this stuff. And then you know what happens? Jesus shows up right there in their midst. He shows up and he says, hey guys. And they're freaked out, obviously. They're like, they, think, they thought they had seen a spirit. And they're like, they're, they're marveling. They're just amazed. And then Jesus is like, hey, let's, let's eat. You got something to eat? And so they give him a piece of fish. And then he unpacks this incredible truth. Starting in verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Guys, you've heard this. You know this. I've made it known that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Now, I love this. He unpacked the Old Testament realities and promises, ties them to himself, and unfolds the story of God right there in front of them. And that you and I, by studying them, by knowing them, by seeking Jesus in the pages of Scripture, the same way that they experienced him is the same way that you and I can experience him. The written words of God allow us to get to know our great God. He has made himself known. He has always been there. He has made himself able to be found. Right? It's right there in the pages of Scripture. And I love on the tales of that, he says in verse 48, he says, you are witnesses to these things. In other words, you know this. Like you saw it. And now you, you can take what you have seen and what you know, move from where you are, go, make disciples, join me in this work, and now make him known. Throw it into gear. Get in on some of this fun. Let's go out and tell them the story. Let's not let it stay here with us, you know, however many were in that room. It's time to move out now and to make that story known. That's what they get to do. Uh, if you have your Bible, if you want to flip over Psalm 145, check this out. This is, this is what we get to do. Psalm 145 
starting in verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of your might, of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Guys, we get that privilege from generation to generation to generation to pass on the information about the God that we know, that we get to participate in that. And I mean, it flows like this, guys. If, if after, I mean, I know it's time. It's like lunchtime, right? Everybody's kind of hungry right about now. People are thinking, you know, I think I want to go get a good taco somewhere. Somebody will go out of here, go get a good taco. And what you're going to do is, I know for a fact, you're going to post on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok video. You're going to tell everybody about this amazing taco that you had that everybody has to try. Now, I'm not disrespecting tacos, okay? I love a good taco as much as the, uh, the next guy, okay? But it's a taco for crying out loud. You know what I mean? But like, think about how much we will go and gush about all that kind of stuff. This restaurant I went to, this taco I had, this place I've went, all that's fine and good. Have a great time with it. But how much more? How much more do we have the privilege and invitation from our great God and Savior Jesus to go make his story known? Man, that he would invite us into that is crazy. I mean, this is crazy talk, right? He does not need us. He does not need us. But he does invite us into this journey. And it's so amazing that we can walk with this amazing God who has been so good and generous and kind and merciful to walk with him and know him. And then we get to now go out from here and make sure that the people in our spheres of influence, that he has strategically placed us in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our family, in spaces where we frequent, that we now get to share that story. We have been strategically positioned for this time and this place to be used of him as we participate in that space and as we, as we marinate in that story and understand that we can move from elementary understanding and practice. All of us can move away from that and, and, and move towards PhD level understanding and practice. All of us can go on that journey and all of us can then go and tell others of the hope and the life and the freedom and the joy and the mercy and the grace and the purpose and the love and the forgiveness and the peace that he and he alone offers in the pages of scripture that aren't just to stay in that book so that it just it gives us something else to think about, but it transforms our heart, affects our life, and then out of that our mouth speaks. And we tell others of the God that we know that can be known by them. That's our privilege. That's our opportunity. He invites us into that deep connection. And so, if you've had all you can stand, and you can't stand no more, all right? I'm talking about no more. I'm not staying here. I'm done. I've seen enough. 
I've heard enough. I know there's more. And I want to join God where he is moving. I want to pay attention to what he is inviting me into. I want to know him deeper, and I want to make sure others get to experience the same God that I know and love. If you're in that space, that you're just like, I, I, I can't stay here anymore. So all you, then here's what I would ask you to do. All right, and I'm talking everyone in here because it doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum. Maybe you showed up this morning and you're like, I just came because my friend invited me. I, I'm not so sure about this whole Jesus thing. You know, I, I don't know. Okay, if you're there. Or maybe you're newer to the faith. Maybe you've been around three, five years and you're, you're growing. Lots of new and exciting things. Like if that's you, great. Or maybe you've been at this for 30, 40, 50 years. Doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum. Here's what I would ask you to do. If you've had enough and that's all you can stand and you're ready for more, or maybe you're like, I don't even know what I want. Here's what I would ask you to do. Go to God and just simply ask him to give you an insatiable desire to go deeper. Ask him. I dare you. Ask him to go, to bring you into the depths of who he is and what he has for you. Do it. Ask him for that. Ask him for that insatiable desire. Because whether you're new, just checking it out, or whether you're mature, guess what? You will never plumb the depths of Jesus Christ. There is always something else to learn. He has made himself known and there is more. I don't care where you are. There is more to be found in the pages of Scripture. His primary way of communicating with us, his people. Okay? So ask him to give you an insatiable desire to go deeper. And then take every opportunity afforded to you to know him more. Take every opportunity afforded to you to make him known. And then step back and watch him work. And get ready because that's not the end of it. Because then that just sets you right here again. Oh, there's more. What are you up to, God? And then you look around and you see what he is doing. And then you quickly make yourself available to join him in that work. Because discipleship is a lifelong journey of knowing him and then making him known. Inviting others on that journey so that we can make much of Jesus in this generation and beyond. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you went through painstaking effort and detail to make yourself known. You have not been hard to find. Uh, you have, through generations, made your word available to us. You have uh, shown yourself in great and mighty ways. And we thank you for doing that so that we could understand that you are not distant or disinterested uh, or disappointed, but that you constantly make moves towards us to, uh, to allow us to enter into relationship with you. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy that you showed uh, you know, on the cross. Jesus, by coming here and making it possible for us to be in relationship with you. And then now we have the great privilege and honor to make that story known. To make much of you, Jesus, the central figure of all of history. 
And so as we do that, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunity you've laid before us uh, to, to, to ask you to burn in our, our, the deepest part of our soul, to have this insatiable desire to interact with you uh, through your word in, in prayer, that we would engage in spiritual disciplines that will help us to walk with you more intimately, that, that we would experience you uh, for who you are and for all that you have done to rescue and redeem us. And what you've invited us into uh, is to make that story known so that others can experience what we have experienced. God, I pray that you would give us boldness, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us, uh, that you would give us the courage to, to speak in, in amiable ways, not to be offensive or distracting, but to go and in love uh, that we would show people that we have been invited to know you and love you and walk with you and that we have been invited to, to then love others as we love ourselves and then to move from there and serve the world by making that story known of who you are and all that you have done. So God, I pray that as you have strategically positioned us in the places that you have, the spaces of influence that we have, may we just see you do great and amazing things as we ask you to move in unmistakable ways. And not because it's about us. It's never been and it never will be. But we are privileged to be a part of your story, to make much of Jesus in this generation so that generation after generation and 10,000 generations from now, unless you choose to come before that, would know the truth of Jesus and all that he has done. And so as we go from here, God, would you do something special in our midst as we step into this new chapter of discipleship, a, a focused endeavor to really explore the lifelong journey of knowing you and making you known by embracing the biblical story and Christian belief and practice. We want to take this seriously and we don't want to miss out on one ounce of what you have for us because we know that it will be good. It will be an adventure like no other. And we just long to see you show up in our midst in an unmistakable way where we can all walk away and go, yep, that was Jesus. We long to see that. So make it so for your name and for your fame here in our generation. And it's in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen.